So we're continuing in our series, Simple. Just some simple truths that I think that we need to think about, we need to pray about, we need to live in the midst of. And, and I, I, I felt like it was appropriate, being that it's Thanksgiving weekend, to talk about giving thanks. And I really, really started to kind of dig into this and think about what it means to have a thankful heart. And I've got this friend of mine. Uh, he's got some mental challenges. He's got some physical challenges. But he is one of the most thankful people that I know. Uh, his name's Todd. A lot of you guys know who I'm talking about. But Todd loves life. And he is so thankful that he has life. And, and Todd was not expected to live beyond his teenage years. Um, Todd was not expected to live to be an adult. Um, when he was born, the doctors looked and said, it's not very likely that Todd will live to be very old. I just want you to know that and prepare yourself. And because of the heart problems that he has and all of these physical challenges that he has stacked against him, it's not very likely that Todd's going to live very long. And, and Todd, he's still alive today. And he is an awesome, awesome guy. And if you ever... Uh, once your heart lifted, you can talk to Todd, and, and I promise you, no matter what situation you think you're in or how difficult your situation is, you talk to Todd, and man, you come away thinking, man, I want to be like that dude. Todd doesn't have a whole lot. He goes to church with his mom. His mom works in the church, and he goes, and, and he hangs out with his mom in church, and, and he, he loves church. Church is one of his favorite places to go. Uh, he goes there, and he goes to work. He works at Chick-fil-A. Now, if you talk to Todd for more than two seconds, you'll find out that Todd works at Chick-fil-A. And Todd loves working at Chick-fil-A. I just, I love Todd. And I want to be like Todd. I want to have a spirit of thankfulness like Todd has. Todd, you know, I, I got to thinking about what makes, what makes Todd so thankful? What, what real, why is he so grateful? Now, I, he's got all these things stacked against him. He doesn't have a whole lot of things in his life, but he is so thankful for his family. He is so thankful for his job. He's so thankful that he's got breath in his lungs, and that's it. I mean, like, that, he's just overwhelmed with joy because of those things. I, I mean, I really started to boil it down in my mind about what, what does Todd have to be so thankful for? And you know what I figured out? I figured out here's, here's my problem. Here's the thing I struggle with. Here's my problem. Here's why I'm not thankful enough. It's because I have such a mentality in my mind that, that I'm entitled to so many things. That's where my struggle is. That, that I feel like, you know what? I am entitled to my job. That if I show up every day, that they're entitled to give me a paycheck. That I'm entitled not to be fired tomorrow. If I continue to do my job and do a good job, then I'm entitled to that job. That's not true. That I am somehow entitled to having health care provided for me. That if I get sick and I pay them money, that I should, I should be made well. That I am somehow entitled to that. That I'm entitled to people loving me. That if I love them, I'm entitled to them loving me back. None of those things are true. I'm not entitled to any of that. And I'm certainly not entitled... To God giving me salvation just because of who I am. We know that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for each and every one of us. 
And sometimes I think that we feel entitled to that. We say, you know what? I go to church. I'm a pretty good person. I pray the prayer. Therefore, I am entitled to spend eternity with God. Not so. Not so. See, I think we forget about God's mercy and how good God is. And, you know, sometimes I, I think that we even feel like we're entitled to a church building for us to come and worship. And, and we're entitled to have a band to stand up here and play and, and lead us in worship. And, and we get so entitled that in our mindset that it, it wages war against a mindset of thankfulness. We're not thankful because we, we, we feel so entitled. That's the wrong mentality to have. We're not entitled to anything. We're not entitled to breath in our lungs. We're not entitled to take another breath in the next 10 minutes. We're not entitled to that. We're not entitled to our heart to continue to beat. We're not entitled to good parents. We're not entitled to good kids. We're not entitled to any of them. But God gives. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives. And I don't think that we stop very long to think about how thankful we should be because he gives. I think that Todd, when, I, when, when you talk to Todd, he, he's, he's thankful because he doesn't feel entitled to anything. Man, he's just so grateful. Everything that he thinks about is just how, how grateful he is. And he'll talk about his, hey, Kenny, I, I, I just had a new nephew that was born, and, and he gets all excited about that, and he'll just talk your ear off about, about how cute his nephew is and, 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 and how old he is, and he, he knows dates like you wouldn't believe that he knows dates, you know. He knows exactly how old everybody is and when they were born, and, and he's just so incredibly thankful for each and every one of those things. I want to be more like that. I want to recognize I'm not entitled to anything, that everything I've got that, that is remotely good Man, I should be thankful for that. I should be thankful for that. I, I listen to, to people talk. I, one of the people I listen to talk to, listen to is John MacArthur. And he and I'm going to read to you from today from Psalm 107. And John MacArthur talks about uh, how this particular psalm has a has a special meaning to him because he was he, he was just reading from this passage. Uh, in Psalm 107, and, and there was this guy sitting in, in one of the back rows or whatever, and, and, and the guy was dying because he was HIV positive. He, he actually had AIDS, and, and, and he was dying, and he was, he was struggling, and he goes to a friend of his and says, Look, I'm dying, and I don't know what to do. I'm terrified, and I'm dying, and, and I don't know what to do. And his friend said, You know what? You need to go to church, and you need to go to this church, and you need to hear what God has to say to you. And he said he listened to this passage as John MacArthur was reading it out loud. And it's like he, he, was, he, wanted, he wanted to say, man, would you please shut up talking so I can run up there and you can tell me how I can be a recipient of this great gift that God has given us. How I can be redeemed. I, I want to know how I can do that. I want to embrace redemption right now. And I don't want to wait. And, and this particular guy, he... he he, he struggled with homosexuality. He, he organized gay rights parades and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and this guy came to faith in Christ. And, and he became an advocate for what it means to be a Christ follower and a true Christ follower. And he witnessed to people and told them about the kingdom of God for the few short months that he had to live. 
after the time that he prayed to receive Christ and, and Jesus Christ redeemed him and rescued him. And, and you know what I, I got to thinking about? I was like, I got to think about my own life. And, 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 and me praying for my daughter who was passing away from, from cancer. And, and I was so terrified that she was going to die. I was just absolutely terrified of that. And, and, and I kept praying that she wouldn't die. I kept praying that she, that she would live. And, and, and what I needed rescuing from was not the fact that she, was, she, was, she, she, she died. What I, what I needed rescuing from was what I felt in my heart about her dying. And that, that's, where, that's where God does something that, that, that nothing else can do. No circumstance in the world can, can deal with your heart issue. No circumstance in the world can deal with your pain and your fears and your anxiety the way God can. That, that you, can, you can fix all the circumstances around you in the world, but, but if you don't fix your anxieties and your fear and what's going on inside of you, then, then, then it's, all, it, it's all meaningless. It's all hopeless, and, and it, it doesn't get you anywhere. That you really have to deal with a heart issue. It doesn't matter how many relationships you go through. It doesn't matter how many jobs you go through. You can, you can search for all of those things, but, man, until you deal with what's really going on here, it's not going to change anything. And that, that's what I had to figure out in my own life, you know? When it came to Kenneth and her cancer, it, it wasn't a matter of dealing with the cancer. It was a matter of dealing with me and how I perceived the cancer and the victory that the cancer had over me. That's what I really had to deal with. And that's what God opened my eyes to, and that's what he walked me through, was dealing with the deeper issue, and that is the heart issue. So when you are thankful... When we look at the things around us that we, we feel so entitled to and we, we, we look at the things around us and we're, we're so worried about those things and we're dealing with those things and it's a struggle to be thankful when we see all the things going on around us, we need to look inside of us and look and see how God is dealing with the heart issue and therefore when we're dealing with the inside, then we have so much to be thankful for. We have so very much to be thankful for. So I'm going to read Psalm 107. I'm just going to, I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to go back and talk about it. But I feel like I just need to read the whole thing, and we just need to hear it. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west and north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. He led them, led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. He's... For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. 
broke down the prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered in their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food. and They were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them, sac let them, off let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, flying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works in the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and they were, they were at their wits' end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing that stillness he has brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and the springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water and dry lands into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished, though oppression, trouble, and sorrow through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes and causes them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart, and they will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. don't want to say too much today, but I do want to say this, this picture of God rescuing. Yes, it is the nation of Israel being rescued, and, and yes, uh, it is the picture of, of God's chosen people being redeemed, but yes, it is the picture of those who come to faith in Christ and their redemption, the place that they're in, the place that they're struggling and sorrow and heartache and trouble, and God pulling them out of that place. And here we see sometimes, we see the evidence of God allowing the trouble to come in, allowing the, the, the water to dry up and them to become thirsty and hungry. And we look at those things, we say, why would a good God allow those things to happen? If he is so loving and so merciful, why would he allow the, 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 the water to dry up? Why would he allow them to, to suffer uh, being impoverished? And why would they be hungry? And it, it's, it's so immediately apparent to me. It's so immediately apparent to me, but it's not apparent to everybody. You guys know that I have my favorite Jehovah's Witness that comes to my house. His name is Steve. And Steve talks to me. He hasn't come in a while, and I miss Steve. I really enjoyed talking to Steve, and I really wish he would come back. I wish that he was still convinced that he could win me over to his faith, but, but apparently he's kind of given up on me becoming a Jehovah's Witness. And that's, that's sad, but he doesn't come to see me anymore. 
but he, he, he started talking to me about how, why, why would there be a hell? Why, why would hell even exist? There's no reason for hell to exist. God is a loving God, and he would never send people to hell. He would never allow that to happen. He said, it's like taking a, 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 the hot burning eye on your stove and you taking your child's hand and holding it to that hot eye on the stove and just letting it sear their hand. Why would you do that if you're a loving father? My answer to that was simple, Steve. First of all, let's, let's look at the word and let's look at what God's word says, but the answer to me is simple. He said, we live in a broken world. If you don't believe that, I can show you picture albums of people that I know that are dead. We can't ignore that, that, that death exists. We can't ignore that sin exists. We can't ignore that, that heartache exists. Why, why are we going to try to, to, to turn our, a blind eye to the fact that anything bad ever happens? You see, the beauty is, the, the, the beauty of God's grace is this, that there is a hell. And that there is suffering and there is torment. And there is being separated from him forever. The picture of destruction to the nth degree. Eternal destruction, being separated from God. That that does exist, just like heartache exists. Just like death exists. Just like broken relationships exist. I can't turn a blind eye to that. As far as my daughter goes, I don't want her to live her whole life thinking that that... The eye on the stove is, is perfectly safe, that there is no hot eye there, that if we turn the, the temperature all the way up and she sticks her hand up there, that there's nothing to worry about. I want her to realize that, that there is things that can hurt her. That there, are, there are things that can damage her and there are things that can wound her and she needs to know about those things. And I want to teach her that if she does that, that doesn't mean I'm going to stick her hand to the eye to show her that, but I just want her to recognize that if she does, there are consequences to that. That there, there, there's a way to live so that you, you don't get burned like that. There, there's a way so that, that, that you can resist that. I want her to know the consequences. I don't want her to go through her whole life pretending that whatever she does is okay, that there, there's nothing bad going to happen to you. I am thankful that there is a hell. I am thankful that there is a place where you can be separated from God because that means that God, being the loving God that he is, that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ meant something. It wasn't for naught. That, that God loved me enough to say, you know what? There is brokenness in this world, brought upon by all of us who have wickedness in our hearts. It, it wasn't Adam and Eve. It wasn't their problem. If you and I were in Adam and Eve's situation, we would have done the same thing, by the way. The problem exists in all of our hearts. The problem exists in who we are. And God said, I am the solution to your problem. I am the solution to your brokenness, to your heartache. I am the solution to your deserts and your wastelands. I am the one that can truly fill you up when nothing else can, no matter how many relationships you go through or jobs that you go through or whatever that you're seeking, how much money that you have, how many cars that you have, whatever your house looks like. You can try to fill it with all of those things, but it will end up it'll end up counting as nothing because at the end of the day, it'll just be you and who you are and you laying down at night, closing your eyes and thinking about who you are. That you can fix all those things and you can get all the cars and all the houses that you want, but at the end of the day, 
I don't care if you're Steve Jobs, you have to still lay down at night and reconcile in your heart who you are. And you have to reconcile in your heart while there is brokenness and emptiness and loneliness inside of there. And that's the reason the deserts come in. And that's the reason there are wastelands. And that's the reason that there is a hell. And so that we can recognize that God is the answer. And God is the one where our dependence truly relies. You see, I think that's what Todd recognizes. When, when I hear him sing worship songs, nothing, nothing will stop Todd from singing a worship song. Except for the fact that some, he may not know the words. And even when that's the case, he'll make up the words. He doesn't care. I guarantee if you stand beside Todd when he's worshiping, he's going to out-sing you every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because, you know what? Nothing else matters to him. He recognizes that there is heartache. He does. I don't think that, that, that Todd is ignorant to the fact that there, there, there are things that are broken in the world. I don't think that, that he's oblivious to the fact that there are are bad things in the world and there's heartache out there for him but that's not what he chooses to focus on what Todd chooses to focus on is the beautiful gift that he's been given he chooses to focus on the gift, the gift of being able to go to work uh, Todd gets upset when they close work because of snow or, or, or because they're just uh, he works at Jackson State University, and he gets upset when they're out for, for winter break or summer break because he wants to work. I was like, man, I need to have that attitude. I want to be like Todd, and, and, and I want to want to go to work like Todd wants to go to work. For me, it's drudgery, and I go, oh, i got to go to work again. But Todd, he gets up early so he can go to work again because Todd chooses to focus on the beautiful gift that he's been given. You see, and you can look at this passage in, in Psalm 107, and you can, you can look at all these things you can pick apart and say, man, these people are in prison, and, and they've they're, they got, they got bars on their hands, and they're, they're in chains, and, and all of this stuff, man. They're hungry, they're thirsty, they got sin. Like, like you can pick this verse, this whole chapter apart, and, and you can say all these things about, about the negative. Or could do what the psalmist recommends over and over and over again and that's the reason it said over and over and over again let the let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. It's amazing that God did this for them. But what's more amazing to me is why he did it. Why he did it. see over and over again this is a result of what they have done these people have brought themselves into captivity God has sent prophets to warn them over and over again that if you continue to rebel against me if you continue to worship other gods you continue to go the other direction away from me that there are going to be consequences for your actions and so therefore they continue to do what they knew they shouldn't do 
Even though God had said over and over again, don't do it. Listen to what it says. It says, some wandered in the wilderness, lost and hungry and homeless. They wandered. They did it on them, by themselves. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom and prisoned in the chains of misery. They sat there. They didn't do anything. They just they sat there in the darkness and deepest gloom. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They sinned against God. Therefore, because of their sin, they, they're the ones that set themselves up for destruction. God said, don't sin against me. Don't do this. And they did it anyway. And then they wondered why they were in this pitiful, terrible place. Some went off to sea in ships, flying the trade routes of the world. Some of them were consumed with themselves and trying to find what they wanted and their glory and their money and their fame and their honor. And they went off and they, they tried to find everything on the, by themselves. They go off into, in, in, into to the, to the seas to go and make more money, to, to increase, to grow, and to be better and get better and have more. They did that to themselves. as they decreased in number and became impoverished. For whatever reason, they did multiple things to cause themselves to be in the situation of they probably decreased in number because they were hungry and thirsty. They were impoverished. They did all these things. They're the ones that do it to themselves and we're the ones that do it to ourselves. You know as well as I do that we do this to ourselves all the time. That we are the reason that we suffer. That we are the reasons that we have heartache. That we do so many things over and over and over again. And then we wonder how in the world do we get in this place? How in the world do we find ourselves in a place of misery? But here's what they call the good news. Also called the gospel. Do you know why God rescued them? Even though they did it to themselves, do you know why God rescued them? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Lord help, they cried in trouble, and he rescued them from their, their distress. Lord help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Lord help they cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Lord help they cried in trouble and he saved them from their distress. Over and over and over again in this passage and over and over and over again in our lives and in our situation in our world that we live in God says do one thing you come to me. My mom used to tell me that you make your bed, you lay in it, or you lie in it. I don't know which is grammatically correct, but that's not what this father says. This father says, you do it to yourself, then you come to me. You'll do it to yourself again. And you know where you should go when you, when you do this to yourself again, and when you get in trouble again. You know where you should go when you, you've wrecked your whole life, and you don't know where to go, and you don't know where to turn. You come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Well, why are we weary and heavy laden? It's not because God made us that way. It's because we made us that way. 
And God says, come to me. Cry out to me. And every single time they do in this passage and in life and all of eternity, every single time we come to God and say, Lord, help. The answer is always yes. No matter how many times we screw up, no matter how many times we jack up our entire lives, no matter how many times we rebel against God, no matter how many times we turn our back against God, no matter how many times we curse God and say, God, you're not the answer. If we will turn to him and say, I messed up. God, I need your help. You are the answer. He always says yes. Every single time. Every single time. If that is not enough to make you thankful, there is nothing in eternity that will. There is no relationship, no, no, no amount of money, no amount of education, no, no amount of, of heights that you can reach in your job. None of that will make you thankful until you recognize that every good and perfect gift, it is a good and it is perfect gift because it comes from God and because He always says yes when we ask. Do you realize the power of our words? That we have the power, that if we humble ourselves truly in our hearts and we say, God, I need your help, he always says yes. He always says yes. How are we not thankful? How are we not thankful? <coughs> One of the things that we need to remember, though, and this is very important, this is key, I started off talking about this and I want to I kind of wrap it up here. Here's why we should be thankful. You see, we have a tendency sometimes because we read this word and we hear what God has to say. And we come in here and, and God's word is preached to us. And, and we come in here, we sing praises and we talk about how good God is and the fact that he always says yes. That we feel entitled to that yes. That we feel like we deserve that yes. That all we have to do is come to him and he'll say yes. You see, that's the wrong kind of heart to have. We are not entitled to his yes. We are not entitled to his love. We are not entitled to his sacrifice. We are not entitled to the fact that he came as a man and died for all of us so that we might live with him. We are not entitled to that. It's a good and perfect gift. It's a good and perfect Entitled to it? You know how you'll know if you feel entitled to it? It's, it's real easy. This is what's real simple about this message. You know how you'll know if you feel entitled to it? All you have to do is look at your thankfulness. That's all you got to do. If you're not thankful, then you're one of the ones that feels entitled to it. That's all you got to do. You can compare the two. My thankfulness, whether or not I'm entitled to it. Just compare the two. That's it. Maybe.